says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. And joining me to bask in, I won't say the afterglow, but maybe like the uh, the tepid or the uh, mildly warm glow of a win over the West Tigers is my good mate, 60s. Parramatta Eels got up 28 to 20, mate. How are you feeling after a win that certainly wasn't uh, emphatic, but still got us the two points? Well, it was a game that got the two points, as you said. Now, before we go on further, uh, thank you to all the listeners that joined us tonight. And I want to give a bit of an extra special shout-out at the start of this podcast because we have some fantastic listeners that get in touch with us from time to time and let us know how much they enjoy the podcast. So I wanted to do a bit of a shout-out to uh, Michael Formosa and his son, James. And uh, Michael lets me know that uh, James really enjoys the Instant Reaction podcasts. So, James, g'day to you. Thank you for listening to the Cumberland Throw, and we hope to catch up with you maybe after one of the games at, at uh, Combank Stadium and back at Parramatta Leagues Club. Just pop up and say g'day in person. But for now, thank you so much for listening to us. And a win, big or small, is always a secret source to a good Instant Reaction podcast, isn't it, 60s? Oh, mate, it's... You know, it was an ugly game, and we're going to talk about that, but it's so much better being able to talk about a win rather than the polar opposite. So let's get into the meat and bones of its 60s. Uh, This was an interesting contest, and this was a game that you could break this down into a couple of different segments, 60s, where Eels came out, were I wouldn't say dominant, but were the ascendant team, had a couple of really tough calls go against him in terms of uh, no tries or tries overturned. Sean Lane, being the uh, first try sister for a few weeks, looked to have scored the first try. And you had Will Penasini for all money had scored. And that, that one is bizarre. You cannot convince me that wasn't a try. And then the West Tigers yeah. turn it around. They get the momentum. Then the Eels before half time suddenly deliver a withering series of counter blows to get back into the lead. Then they're the better team for the majority of the second half, only to allow the, the Tigers to sort of just keep the door ajar at the end in their in the final uh, the final ten minutes of the second half. So, yeah, what a bizarre. Oh, they, look, mate, they, it was it was a game where maybe last week has coloured my perception, but uh, I saw so much ugliness in that in that game from all participants, from the West Tigers, from Parramatta, from the officials. I really didn't enjoy that game. If if there's someone out there that enjoyed the game, fantastic. And I'm I'm happy for the win. And uh, if I was in that in the Parramatta sheds, I would be celebrating the win. But uh, you know, there was a there was so much that I didn't like about it. The that start, the the West the West Tigers were damned awful in that start. But we were almost tripping over ourselves. Yeah, yeah. It was in, laborious, in a, wasn't it? Like we certainly just... Oh, uh, it was... Uh, if you wanted to have a, create a rugby league dictionary and define the word clunky in attack, you probably would slot in video of Parramatta's attack during that period. Uh, like we, we scored 
what I consider two legitimate tries. But even they, you know, the I mean, the first one with Lane. Uh, I mean, that that was obviously a, a set. A it was a set harsh. piece, you know. That, that was kicking yeah, towards all at all. Yeah, it was a bit harsh. But I mean, I I just didn't even like the players that was leading up to it. Maybe I'm being again. Maybe my perception has been coloured by uh, last week. But you know, I I was I wasn't enjoying the play. It, it, you know, it was it was like it was a set piece in the opening minute. But I just had that feeling that it. Uh, it was like those the games like against the West Tigers the first time we played them where there were scoring opportunities that we didn't take yeah, just for one reason or exactly. another. And uh, and it was a legitimate try. But that was the start where West Tigers, you know, the ugliness was on them. It was and, and how on earth they had judged that, that disallowed the second try. The no, Parramatta shoot bad. And Mitchell, Mitchell, Moses, Quinn, were blowing up at the. They wanted to challenge immediately, but were told that it was a forward pass, not a knock on. Uh, you cannot challenge. So, <laughs> just more. Uh, and you know, the the referee was it. Uh, goodness, what's his name? Uh, not Butcher. Uh, goodness, two seconds. It is Butler, Chris Butler. Butler. You know, it, it felt like. He was well, it's a touch game. judge call. I know, but in general, it felt like Butler was making the game a lot about the whistle. You know, like the fans are coming out to watch the referee. He was blew the pee out of it. Both teams, both teams got hammered in terms of ill discipline. There were 17 penalties in this game to go alongside four ruck infringements. So a whole heap of stoppages. A whole heap yeah, of and 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 that's why I said it was it was ugly from the from the perspective of all participants and and maybe maybe it was a case of even that the officials made the game uglier than oh, what it we, was. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And uh, yeah. I, I imagine that West Tigers fans would have plenty they're gonna gripe about looking at the review of this game in terms of stuff that they got hard done by. But geez, with my blue and gold goggles on, there was a whole swathe of awful calls. I already mentioned those two no tries early on. David Nofaluma's second try uh, I, I'm pretty certain Mitchell Moses had dislodged that ball out of his hand, and then when it goes to the fingertips, once it's out of the hands, you need control. Like so, you need to regrip the ball, which he didn't do. Even uh, Dane Lorish try, there was questions marks about him on side, and even the put down. I thought there might have been a hint of a knock on there too. So there's both both teams had lots of grounds to complain about the officiating, but at the end of the day, I think both teams also have a lot of grounds to look internally and say, "Geez, we uh, could have done a lot better across a lot of different facets." Yeah, without without question, it was, and it, and it was one of those strange games where there were ebbs and flows, and I don't know that the Tigers this year have been a team which rides a roller coaster like that during the game. Normally, they just crumble, mm-hmm. but they they obviously like playing. The, I mean, like they they definitely circle the game against Parramatta. It feels like, you know. Well, it it wasn't just us as Eels supporters riding the edge of the seat that felt that the Tigers were making a game of it. The, the commentators were... were yeah. Oh, you, 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 could, you, could watch, you could watch the collisions yeah, in the ruck. They unseated Reg a couple of times. Uh, they, were fright, they were flying into the tackles. They were, I mean, and this probably speaks to why Butler was blowing the power of the whistle, but they were definitely pushing the advantage line defensively, looking to gain any ascendancy they can when it came to the defensive line speed. So they, they clearly turned up in that regard. They weren't super polished. They were the West Tigers for good stretches in a bad way. 
but they challenged us. And thankfully, even if it wasn't pretty, we didn't roll over belly up like we have a couple of times this year when lesser fancy teams, including the Tigers on Easter Monday, but Canterbury Bulldogs, uh, and a couple other times as well, we didn't roll belly over when we got the gauntlet thrown in our face. So that was good to see, even if it wasn't pretty. Let's quickly take a peek at the numbers for this one, 60s. We did mention the scoreline already. Parramatta Eels, victors in round 17, 28 to the West Tigers, 20. For the joint venture, Far Amanu Brown opened the scoring in the 15th minute. Dane Laurie and a David Nofaluma double were the four tries they put on the board. Adam Dwahi was two from four. Thankfully, those last two conversions at the end uh, made it a little bit easier as a fan. I'll tell you that. If he'd not narrowed the margin on either of those two kicks to bring him in a single score, would have been... Uh, very different final period there. Uh, but they also had a young rookie, Justin Matamore, sin bin for a shoulder charge on Mitchell Moses while he was kicking the ball. For the Blonde Gold, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, he opened our scoring in the 30th minute. Micah Sivo, Reid Marnie, Mitchell Moses, and Isaiah Papali'i, our five try scorers in total. Mitchell Moses, four from five off the tee. And that gave us our 28-20. In terms of possession, West Tigers ahead 52-48. to 48, Slightly ahead in time of possession, as you'd expect. 26.5 minutes to Parramatta's 25.5 minutes. Completion rates, the Tigers ahead at 85%. The Parramatta's 78%. So surprisingly high quality, given how stop and start the game was, which I suppose just speaks to how much of an impact stoppages from penalties can have. Um, in terms of the attacking stats, Eels ahead on line breaks and run meters. Uh, tackle breaks too, but that's pretty close there, 39-237. Average play the ball speed, Chase. Parramatta out at over four seconds, 404. Uh, website not found, a little bit of a joke there. And then the West Tigers down at 3.78. Nine offloads for Parramatta to the West Tigers, five. Going down to tackling efficiency. Eels at a solid team-wide 88.22%. West Tigers at 86, so neither team particularly awful. Uh, I think it was uh, 37 missed tackles for the Eels to the West Tigers, 39 Eight ineffective to West 12. So again, not awful metrics there defensively for both teams. And we already talked about the penalties. There were 17 penalties in this game. Nine conceded by Parramatta. Eight by the Tigers. 11 errors to West's nine. Three ruck infringements for the Eels to the Tigers. One. And then two Tigers on report. One Eel on report, which I think is Reed Money. I think. Maybe. Or Nathan Brown. I think it might be Nathan Brown in the second half. Yeah, what, it, I, it I, is I, Brown. It didn't look like there was anything in that tackle. Uh, but yeah, and then obviously the one sin bin in terms of player stats, sixties. Let me just cue this up quickly. Uh, going across now in the back line, we had a couple of guys go over hundred, but nothing ma- massive. Gufferson just under one hundred and twenty. Micah got over one hundred and uh, hundred of hundred and five. Bowie Simonson one hundred and thirty three. Uh, in the forward pack, Ice was definitely the pick of the forwards. The only forward actually to cross hundred meters, believe it or not. Uh, Fourteen carries, one hundred and fifty four meters. Uh, Reg one meter short of the century. Uh, Sean Lane, nine metres short. Uh, you got Oregon Confucius, 10 metres short. And Nathan Brown, one metre short. A uh, whole stack of stackle, uh, stackle busts. Tackle busts across the back line. In fact, everyone's got uh, multiple tackle breaks in the back line from one through to seven, with Mitchell Moses leading the team with eight. And then in the forwards, Ice having five, Macca having two, and then a couple of uh, tackle breaks here and there for a few other forwards. Yeah, so that's, that's all the key attacking stuff in terms of tackles made. We have Murata at 36, but with five missed. Reed with 51, but eight missed. And they definitely went after him this game. Uh, anyone that had a good game defensively, Makatoa, 27 tackles, zero missed, zero ineffective. Ice, 28 tackles, one missed, zero ineffective. So those two boys putting up a good show defensively. Sean Lane, 33 tackles, two missed, two ineffective. Off the bench, Kai Rodwell, 19 tackles, zero missed. 
So, yeah, there's a couple of good defenders there in the forward pack. But, yeah, geez, some big numbers for Reed and Money, but big numbers on both sides of the column there in terms of tackles and missed tackles. Yeah, so let's let's have a bit of a chat about uh, the uh, what we liked about the Eels' performance, what we didn't like about the Eels' performance, just to start off with. Well, I mean... What do we ask for coming into this game, 60s? Because we kind of... Two got, points. The two points. Well, that, that's true. But to get the two points, what did we ask for? Well, I think what we were looking for was a positive performance. We just needed... We needed to see that there was a bit of desire, a bit of will to win and, out there. And to build that, we asked our playmakers to step up to the plate. And I don't know if all four of them did. But I think that one of them definitely did, and and the other uh, the other half I think had a reasonable game in Dylan Brown. Uh, I think that Reed and Guffo had some moments that they're going to be uh, wincing out when they look at the tape. But Mitchell Moses, you had him pegged as your man of the match. Couldn't quite get the two tries that you were looking at, but I thought he had a tremendous second half. Well, probably if it was anyone but Dane Laurie at fullback. When he cut through, yeah, and yeah, Laurie, Laurie had the agility I, I, and speed to get him. I I jumped out out of the seat and had the I, I was you know fist pumping because I thought he was about to uh, break out completely into open pastures in that in the uh, in the quarter and and uh, get across for the second try after tipping that yeah, for the a, uh, the punting tip. It was a wonderfully but, balanced uh, performance from Mitch. Nearly kicked the 40-20 in the first half, just had a bad luck on that break. Then he had a couple of forced dropouts in the second half, obviously scored a try, laid on another one for Azai Papali, who quickly put in one of the better uh, post-tries July celebrations we're going to see when he handed the camera, uh, in inverted commas, to Will Penasini and gave him the, the cheeky grin. Uh, but yeah, really good to see Mitchell Moses respond from that game against the Rabbitohs, where just not just he, but the entirety of the spine was so ineffective and he certainly was back to his winning ways in this game, and it's no coincidence that I think when you look at the stats in terms of you know points contributed directly, he obviously had the one try and the four conversions. You can smack him in there for 12 points already, but if we look at the play stats again quickly, if I can wheel my mouse over quick enough, he's also down for a try assist, so you can add in another four points there too. So, you know, made a huge difference on the impact, and you just need to look at, you know, the on the opposition side, how much he outplayed both Brooks and Hastings. I thought that was huge. Uh, but that that was definitely the biggest thing there. Ice obviously had a very good game, except for that one uh, incredibly optimistic. I mean, it was kind of on the Will Penasini, but he, he threw it so hard that Will was never going to catch that ball in the second half. And then there was, you know, just bits and pieces here. I thought Micah had some big flashes there, scored a nice try, could have scored what would have been a sensational try if he'd had that half an inch on the foot staying in uh, down that left sideline uh, going through. After that, you know, Sean Lane again had some nice touches in the first half. Uh, and then after that, it gets a bit skinny. I mean, it was good to see Kai Rodwell in there. I thought Brownie played all right in the second half. I mean, the numbers aren't anything eye-popping. Yeah, but I thought he played a, a solid game. Yeah, look, there was... I, I liked the composure through the, the first uh, 20, 25 minutes of the... Second half. I mean, I'm ignoring the obvious of the of the three tries just before half time. Um, I think in getting that that try that kicked it all off, where uh, you had the West Tigers player who was put into the sin bin, 
I mean, it was an ugly try. Yeah, no need to put lipstick on that pig. That, that was an ugly try. Yeah. Um, however, what I will put a big tick there is the um, is the the fact that the players weren't given up on the play and and kept scrapping for it. So, what I was starting to see in that last ten minutes of the first half was that the players were prepared to to fight to stay in in the contest where they basically invited West Tigers to have all the confidence in the world. And when we were doing our preview, I spoke to you about the, the last thing that we could afford was to give them a sniff to let them score the first try. Well, we let them score the first two tries. That that, uh, opening record is really concerning. And I know that we actually started okay when you, you, sort of put aside the tries scored against us because we actually had those two turned down. But it it just puts us in such a hole in so many games. Yeah, it, it's it's now that uh, the Eels have scored first in only three games this season. I'll extend it to four because the the Knights' first uh, yeah, scoring was, play was the two points, yeah. was a goal. Was a goal. Uh, and yet they're but, six from six when they lead at half time. So if yeah. they get their nose in front, they're almost like unstoppable. And I know that the, the record says they are unstoppable, but you give them a, a little bit of leeway in so far as, you know, allowing for the potential to lose there. And yet they so consistently start slow. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It, it is so frustrating. And you've got to imagine that the coaching staff are sitting there just smashing their head into a brick wall saying, What what are we doing? This is not how we prepared. This is not how we know we're meant to start. And yet they keep doing it. They they keep panicking. It almost feels like. Yeah, it's. I was trying to think whether panic was the right word. It's it's not it's uh, not it's not I, panic, but it's kind of like they're so restless. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, there's is it nervous energy? Is it you know because they find themselves in these opportunities early on to score? Uh, do they just say, well, let's don't, don't worry too much about the game plan. Let's just chance our arm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, I I can't find the right word either. I mean, I I suggested the, the old uh, hackneyed what is what is becoming a hackneyed phrase of the attack look clunky but it, it, it again it came back to something mentally there where I, I'm I'm thinking that maybe there's a there's a lack of confidence but that there is nothing smooth about the execution is basically what it's about and it's, and it almost looks like players get in each other's way and uh, the it it is just not what you want to see. But um, you know the fact that they were able to pull themselves together and start to settle a bit. Because I was sending you messages just just saying they just need to settle down. Yeah. They've got to they yeah. can't complicate the plays. Just you know stop trying to overplay their hand. It was. It, it was frustrating to watch what was going on because uh, when, uh, by contrast, what you basically had with the West Tigers' first try is exactly what I wanted to see Parramatta do because they basically, uh, they scored a try run going from dummy half. I mean, it was literally like the simplest of tries that you'd ever see. And I, I just felt that if Parramatta had a stayed composed attacking the line, that they would have... It, it, how deflating was it seeing Far Manu Brown cross between Reed and, and oh, Rada? 
That that, that just took the gas awful. right out of me and straight, you know, obviously we're, we're interchanging texts and I was very frustrated with that. And uh, I imagine that the review is not going to be pretty on either of those two boys there because that was really sloppy marker work. Oh, yeah. and, and and what you saw from it, uh, as as the replay showed, there just didn't seem to be the energy to stop it. Yeah. Now, you can contrast that with Kai Rodwell. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah. To, get under the, yeah. to get under Brown yeah. uh, in the latter part of the game. That's exactly just where I was going to go. Just the there. Yeah, and you, know, you can talk about fresh legs and whatnot, but it wasn't exactly like there had been 60 minutes when Fahamanu Brown had crossed for that first try. But yeah, that was really great to see Kai Rodwell showing that sort of want to to get back and make that try saver. And yeah, and that, that's something we've come to expect of him watching him in the cup. And you know, he went five runs for 50 metres this game off the bench, which is perfectly serviceable. But I think that's the sort of stuff that will really jump out to the coaches, making those sort of effort and hustle plays. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, like you, I was very uh, impressed with the way that Mitch Moses turned his game around this week because it wasn't just a couple of big plays. It was the fact that he was staying composed during the during the, the the time when we needed more composure, so I'm giving him a, a big tick there. I I thought that uh, look, I might have liked Sebo uh, to get a little bit more involved, but his his work when he was involved and, and the uh, at least we're <coughs> seeing the the, the, the the quality of hit up too when it comes to rucking out now. Like you can argue that the work rate needs to go up, but at least the quality of the hit up is increasing. Yeah, that really nice yeah. uh, half break or, or almost a full break, rucking it out on top of a couple of other really solid carries. So that that is nice to see. But at the same time, it, it's almost like you need a trainer out there just barking at him, Micah, get in there. Micah, get in there. Take it up. Yeah. Take it up. You know, because he just, he just needs to be reminded. Um, and once he's got the ball in his arm, he's doing some fantastic stuff. Um, and, you know, that, that sequence of play leading to the Reed Marnie try on half time where uh, Guffo throws a bad pass to... Mwanga Blake, who does incredibly well to catch pirouette and then fire off a pass that is then, because he's off balance, put behind Micah, who then reels in of the big mitt and pulls it in for the kick, was fantastic. So, yeah, good to see Micah doing well there. But, yeah, it, it is a game. Once you get past uh, once you get past Mitch and Ice, it starts getting a little bit difficult to differentiate who had, a like, a really good game. Like this. Well, you've just stolen you've just stolen my words because I was about to praise Ice because I thought he had a tremendous game. Yeah, that's the sort of game that makes you sting, doesn't it? Like, you know, why are you leaving? Damn you! I, yeah. I, I, I hate you, but I don't hate you. You're, you're too nice a bloke. And, and you know too what? nice a bloke to hate, but what, damn you! What, what look? What was pleasing about that was that in the first time we yeah, played what, the Tigers this around. year, he almost, Ice, yeah. Ice didn't. He, he had what was arguably oh, his career worst game as an eel. His career worst game. With there the there Eels, is no yeah. doubt about that. That was the definition of a Barry Crocker, and you know he really turned it around. This game played some great football. A whole stun, a whole stun, whole stack of tackle busts, 150 meters. Uh, nearly scored a try carrying about four tigers on his back, and did end up scoring a try for that beautiful uh, Mitchell Moses grubber kick. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. Ga- fa- fantastic game from the back row. Take away that offload to Will Penasini that went to touch, and it was almost flawless. And then yeah, after that. It was just, you know, solid but almost unremarkable contributions across the board, you know? Yeah, and and, and probably to that end, uh, I feel like, well, I may as well give my 3-2-1 now. 
Yeah. I'm going, obviously, three for Mitch Moses, Agreed. two for Iced. Yep. And then, like you, I'm starting to struggle a little bit. And I'm probably thinking that Sean Lane goes close to getting... Sean Lane has been a, a sneaky good operator this year. Uh, I, I know we've been lavish as a praise on him, but I think in the wider fan base, he's just starting to get some of the plaudits that he's probably been due for a while. Yeah, I, I would not be upset to award Sean Lane the one point. Mike Acevo is in the conversation. Uh, yeah, I think probably, I think probably, I mean, Nathan Brown not too bad as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for Sean Lane to get it. I mean, he should have had a try yeah, for his Nathan, name. Nathan Brown sort of built into the game. It was one of those performances where I felt when he first came on. Yeah, he was at nothing. He was planting. Yeah. He was almost planting at impact. Yeah. But then as the game went on, he uh, he started to build up some post contact meters because mm-hmm. he he kept he kept the legs pumping as he hit the contact. Yep. So um much better game from him as the game wore on. Uh yeah, w- wasn't Overly thrilled with the start of his no, time on yeah. the field, but it did not come on immediately, making impact. Happy. But second half, he definitely built into it, and I uh, got some of those big digs back into behind the rock that we sort of had, had as his calling card for years, which was good to see. And I mean, I will say this: we looked like a Ford pack missing two of our best forwards, no Junior, no Ryan Madison, and they're, they're obviously our two best second phase merchants. You know, they are by far the best offloaders in the Ford pack. And on top of that, they're just great point of difference forwards. Junior brings that insane footwork for a big man. Maddo's got that big engine and the ability to, like Nathan Brown, sort of dig in behind the ruck and make big meters. So that, you know, was obviously taken advantage of by the West Tigers just by the nature of the game. And I, I hope with them coming back into the fold this week, or sorry, this coming game, uh, that will be a lot better through the middle. But I suppose we have to wait and see whether Junior gets through Origin Free unscathed and Maddo... Uh, is it a calf or is it a rib? Because it was reported as a rib initially, but then in the coverage today, they were saying it was a calf. I'm pretty sure it's it's ribs. Uh, it, yeah, because everyone has I said ribs right up until been... kickoff when one of the commentators called it a calf injury, and I was like, hang on. So unless yeah. I was hearing things, but getting those two boys back into the mix, obviously, you know, just completely transforms our forward pack. And I think not just the forward pack, but by the way, how this team works, the entire team. So yeah. looking, looking forward to now, that. I was just going to say we've 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 talked we touched on some things that we didn't like at the start. I said about how ugly it was. You've talked about how we still need to see a bit more from the spine. We saw you know great performance from Mitch Moses and Dylan was acceptable, but you're still looking for more. Um, I, I just want to pick a couple of things out. We we spoke about this. I'm not a fan of the fullback up in the line in defence uh, from about which when it's which some... ha- it happens from about thirty metres out, and a lot of the teams do that. It might even be all the teams are doing that now because the idea being that you just give them it's harder to attack the, and get the width the teams are looking for <laughs> when you've got an extra player in the defence line. You still and get the, stuff like the no fill in the double where. <laughs> Teams still find a way to go around you, even with the fullback in the line. So, yeah, look, I, I, and, I'll and tell the you, idea the idea there is that the fullback. So let's talk Gutherson. He's he's positioned somewhere around the ruck, 
and then as the as the Ta- ball shifts, tra- he runs backwards yeah. and across field to yeah. wherever the play is going. So, uh, but we are being caught out there with kicks. Well, you know who and- saved the blushes today in that regard was Mitchell Moses. He made a couple yeah. of big reads and plays as far as dropping back and being the almost the fullback in the team. And and I I I think schematically it makes sense. I understand why teams employ it. But for someone like Gufferson who and it's always been the Achilles heel of his game is that lack of genuine acceleration and genuine top end speed, it's hard for him to make up the recovery ground needed if he gets even fractionally out of position when doing that doing that role as like the sweeping fullback from the line or from in the line to out of line. Yeah, well, Gutherson is, he's the sort of athlete where he can, whatever top speed he's got, he can generally maintain it when he, when he hits it, but he, he doesn't have that blinding acceleration. And uh, so that when you've got a, a kick into... Uh, let's call it no man's land where there where there isn't any defensive coverage and you've got players chasing through and he's chasing back it's it's a bit of a struggle and we saw that tonight now albeit he got there first to that kick but he wasn't getting there where it, it, well by the time he was getting there he was under pressure yeah, immediately he wasn't and trying to get a position to succeed yeah yeah so i'm i'm saying i i'm I'm no fan of of that. Uh, it's probably unlikely to change because, as I said, it seems to be the thing in the NRL this year is that uh, coaches are employing the uh, fullback in the defensive line uh, tactics. Uh, the the other thing that I'm that I'm hoping will change is I I really want Murata back on the bench. Yeah, uh, I want him back as an impact. Player, and that, that's the I, other, that's our part of getting Junior and Matto back. Is then you get incredible balance on your interchange rotation. You get to have yeah. Murata being the impact forward off the bench, and you get to have your then sort of like the luxury of configuring out the sort of the three and four men on your bench, whoever it is, four forwards, and you keep someone like Kai Rodwell in, who is you know impressing. Or there's a number of New South Wales Cup forwards that are really putting their hands up right now too, and we'll talk about that shortly, but. You know, you can do that or you can keep the backline utility or a dummy half if you wanted to. But having just having Murata on the rotation suddenly changes the complexion of the forward pack immensely. Yes, absolutely. So uh, they're just they're just a couple of the, the bugbears and, and I we I know that you and Gold tipped a big win. I, I was probably closer in the range of the victory saying twenty two to sixteen with it being a bit of a uh, you know, pick it between your fingers sort of game. Uh, but for me, winning this game big or small was never the issue. An ugly win was never going to be bad for me. A big win was never going to be great for me. Getting the win in general was the important thing because then I want to see the win next week. And so however you win, you won tonight was an issue unless, of course, there was some you know, sort of crazy script to it where players got simbin and, and you know going to get suspended and whatnot. Okay, that, that's completely different. But as long as we got out of this game without injury, without suspension, I was fine. And that's how we got there. It wasn't pretty. It was far from our best football. But we went to Leichhardt and we beat the Tigers. And that's all we needed to do. The emphasis now has to be on turning around against the Warriors and then the Broncos after. Yeah, look, uh, I must say that obviously I was disappointed that we played ugly. But when we spoke at the start of this and 
you asked what was the goal for this week. Yeah. And I said the two points. Exactly. That, that's the what it two was. Points. And like obviously as a fan and obviously for the coaches and the players, you do have to look at this game with a more critical scope and, and break apart where we were good, where we were bad, never in between. But like I said, on a macro level, the, the only important thing that came out of this game was no injuries, no suspensions, and two points. Because yep. this team has bounced back from every loss this year up until this point, and they continue that today. But the problem was now building on it and going forwards. And even an ugly win against the Warriors wouldn't be an issue for me because that shows some grit and gumption and, and willing to dig in your heels and build. And then after that, you know, going against the Broncos, you win ugly again. Okay, whatever. It's, again, no dramas for me. It's then, then you've got the big games, and that's when you can start talking about you know, turning it up and, and sort of dialing up the, the uh, clinical factor. But just keep winning. That's all, I, that's all I need from this team right now is win. doesn't have to be pretty. doesn't have to be super effective. And yes, I will curse and complain when it comes to the podcast and you know, texting you and whatnot. But right now, the only thing this team needs to worry about doing is winning. Yep. So uh, did, did you give your 3-2-1, mate, I, I before just, we move just, on to the New I, South Wales Cup? I was wholeheartedly in agreement with you for the three and the two. For the one, Sean Lane was uh, really good, like, you know, really solid as a contender for that. Bailey Simonson was uh, pretty solid again, had the one or two mistakes on some tough kicks, but uh, I thought he made a couple of big ruck plays and uh, was left with some less than uh, less than ideal two-on-ones at the end, and he nearly saved a couple of tries with the uh, attacking the ball, but also you know looking for the bat down, which is the correct way to play that. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy for Lane to get the one point, and then obviously the three and two being spoken for, for Moses and Ice. Yeah, okay. So... I think we pretty much wrapped up that this was a game where we're happy with the two points. Uh, that's probably all that matters. We all agree that it was an, it was ugly. The match was ugly from many perspectives. We saw a few things that we liked to see. We, we saw a few things that we weren't happy to see. But maybe, all in all... You, maybe the team needs to be reminded that you can win ugly because it feels like our wins are either extravagant all their ugly losses up until now. So winning... You know ugly... what? That's... I, that... I, I actually wish we had have started with that astute observation right at the start of our podcast because you might have just switched my thinking completely on... Uh, as my first instant reaction. And people listening to the podcast do realise that these are instant reactions. So <laughs> we haven't, we're, we're not thinking about what we're going to say as we hop on. We're there just, is no run sheet. This just, is literally 60 no. seconds after full time. Uh, 40, you ready to go? Uh, yeah, give me one second to get a glass of water. Okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah, so um, no, I, I, I like that. I really like that take. I, I reckon that's a brilliant take, mate, and I reckon that's a good place to finish. The uh, our, our discussion about the NRL just quickly uh, before we talk about the uh, New South Wales Cup, the uh, flag had their own ugly loss, eighteen to twelve. Uh, we didn't get to see it. The score updates weren't working on the New South Wales Rugby League uh, match centre, but it was going to be a case of some uh, missed opportunities once again is my feedback that I've already received from the match. Not surprising. Um, some critical, some critical errors at exactly the wrong time. Uh, when I was given that sort of feedback, I, my immediate reply was how surprising. <laughs> it's <laughs> like we've, we've been, we've been down, we've been down this path before, but 
if the if the team can get past some of these critical errors and of course probably have less disruptions with team changes yeah, because I was that, just looking at the team list there was a whole stack of changes before kickoff. Yeah, so they're they're being subjected to that all the time. So um, like we said, there is no doubting the potential in this team. It is a young roster but got some genuine difference makers in there. And whenever they hold on to the ball, you see that come to the fore. But yep. you know, taking on one of the better teams, a top five team I think it was in the Western uh Western, but the West Tigers in the Jersey flag. Falling just short, yep. and it, that's going to be an agonising one. And obviously, it might be end up being the difference down the path between making the eight or even making a push for the top four. But as it stands, if I just quickly look at the ladder, uh, they do stay in the top eight if it is updated correctly, which I'm not sure it is, given uh, that our game hasn't been showing up as a recorded game yet. But yeah, definitely one that they'll look back and, and be upset for missing. But thankfully, that was where the losses ended. Yes, so let's talk about the New South Wales Cup quickly, mate. Before yeah, we, we caught, the, caught this on Foxtel, thankfully, uh, kicking off at 5 o'clock. The uh, Tigers are the ones that sort of set the tone early as to Kapoa getting over, but Parramatta... Uh, was, no, Magpies, mate. Sorry, Magpies. Magpies, correct. It's the Western Suburbs, Magpies in the reserve grade game. Uh, but yes, the Eels, uh, by long stretches or in long stretches, controlling this game up until, say, the 60th minute where a couple of tries for the, tiger, the Tigers, the Magpies... Uh, sort of uh, made the scoring look a little bit more flattering. Parramatta Eels winning 38-20. to 20. For the Tigers, it was a Kapoa double followed by Junior Pauga, Ponga, Pauga, and then James Roberts, who was playing fullback and not doing a great job, uh, also scoring 69th minute. Jock Madden, two from four. There was a sim bin in the 49th minute for Jack Boiling. Over on the other side for the Blonde Gold, Samuel Luizu recorded into the cup this week. He opened the scoring for Parramatta. Zach Sini going 90 metres against the run of play. Nice little intercept try for him. Then it was all one man. Hayes Perham going 36 minute, 42nd minute, 51st minute, and 76 minute, uh, scoring the double brace or the double hat trick. I don't know how you want to phrase that, but four tries for the big man who had a very good game in the centres. And then Zach Sini getting his double in the 75th minute. Jordan Rankin, a five from seven. And uh, we actually get numbers for this game, 60s, because it was a broadcast game. So the stat keepers are on the ball. So we get to see who uh, had big games. No surprises. Sini and Perham both up over 160 metres apiece. Then go to the forward pack. Wirimu Greg sold game, 117 metres off 12 carries. Offie Ogden sold as well, 110 off 10, including an absolutely barnstorming run early in the first half. And then a couple of young back rowers starring. Uh, Ellie Osgahem had a nice trices for Hayes Perham's fourth and final try, but he went 15 carries, 149 metres. Tony Mattaielli making his cup debut for the Eels, although I think he might have played cup for the Knights last year. He went 17 carries, 140 metres. He was very good. Um, I was very impressed with his debut in, in cup for the Eels. And then uh, another young gun that was impressive off the bench. He's been there, been a rock for the Eels, actually. Tavita Talmapenu, flag eligible, but has not come close to getting dropped back to that grade. 13 carries, 117 metres. And you actually said to me at halftime, Geez, Tavita's in the 15, isn't he? I said, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, because I, I noticed when he came on, he brought some energy. So a couple of yeah. young forwards there really making a difference. Yeah, I, look, I was most impressed with Tony Mattaielli because he's he looks had like to him. come back from a very long rehab. and He's got good size to him too. He, he looked very comfortable out there, ran some quality lines off Jake Arthur's left shoulder, nearly scored twice, made some tough carries. That That is short of scoring a try essentially the ideal debut from the coaching department when they're going to look at the tape, I dare say. Well, he had, I thought he was uh, quite good in the flag last week and he scored a try 
really giving the I think I described it in the uh, preview podcast where he he was able to be given the ball where the centre that he was yeah, running at was isolated and it was just yeah. no chance of stopping him. So the only, uh, yeah. the only concern for the young man was a few missed tackles, uh, but that's definitely something he can work on. And you know, just looking at how how sound his game was in general, I, I dare say he'll probably back it up next week, even if Bryce Cartwright comes back. Um, given that John Olive was carried on the bench without playing any minutes, I think, without playing any minutes, yeah. He, um, uh, yeah, and yes, he was He was on the bench without playing, so uh, they'll they'll maybe just slot him onto the, the bench there, at the very least. And uh, it was interesting seeing the the footage at half-time and Mark Carroll talking about calling Breno um, BA yeah. when he was... <laughs> When he was walking into the ground, and and uh, it was uh, Craig Brennan that he saw, and, uh, <laughs> and, and thought it was BA. So, um, and, uh, Craig Brennan, uh, obviously, for those that aren't aware, is one of our pathway coaches. Fantastic man as well, um, been incredibly accommodating for the Cumberland Fro throughout the last couple of years. Uh, but <laughs> you, you can imagine from a distance how they'd make that mistake, maybe because Brennan obviously uh, sporting the Chrome Dome as well. <laughs> it would have been awkward for Spud. <laughs> yeah, so just for people who are probably aware that with Jordan Rankin taking on the captain coach role, that he receives assistance from the uh, from the flag coaches as well for a bit of the off field uh, stuff, uh, the observations, that sort of thing. So uh, Craig Brennan, who is the assistant coach for the flag and Simon Wolford have been giving uh, a bit of a hand there. So I think today uh, Craig Brennan was on uh, New South Wales Cup duties as well, and, you, and people watching the footage would have seen him addressing the players at halftime in the shed. So, um, yeah, just uh, interesting hearing Mark Carroll uh, make that observation. But the, the good thing is New South Wales Cup... Um, now going back to back with the wins, so that's uh, that's good to see. Uh, very a very good try from Zaxini, mate. That, yeah, well, you told uh, that him to, and... that he could um, stride out for a bit of space, and we've known that he can be something of a effective workhorse as a centre. Gets for a lot of you know quality work coming out of your own half, and defensively he's really been polished up nicely. But that was a good read. I think it was um, Arthur alongside him making the double jam on the, the Tiger or Tigers, the, the Magpies running the ball in the last. And Jake's pressure forced an errant sort of rushed pass. And Zaxini swooped in and said, Thank you very much. Yeah. Now, I've had messages sent to me today. Um, and in those messages, people were asking me about the uh, reserve grade performance or the New South Wales Cup performance and who's putting the pressure on and that sort of thing and um, and talking about the, who the best performers there today were. My take on that is these fellas that are playing in the New South Wales Cup, they have one job and that's to make sure that they maintain their form as best they can because if and when that time comes that they're required to fill in at New South Wales Cup, they want to have BA thinking they're ready. Like they just have to be ready for when that time comes. And, and that's, I mean, you talk about putting pressure, and I suppose that's that's kind of tough given that we know in the starting forward pack for the Parramatta Eels is not exactly a, 
a whole raft of available spots given how well performing pretty much all our starters are. But on the bench, there might be a bit of jousting to happen, you know, whether injury form or suspension comes into play. And you've got the likes of Greg and Ogden who have been really solid for a good stretch now. And in particular for Greg, I think he's starting the round in some of his best form we've seen for him. And Ogden, yeah. Ogden on the other hand, gives you – and this is something – I know I've been barracking for, but you too, because you're the one that put me onto him from the preseason. He just gives you something different. He's, he's a bit of a, yeah. a bit of a firebrand, a bit of an enforcer. Got the ability to be explosive through the middle, which is what you yeah. you love having coming off the bench in the in the first grade team. But after that, you know, we, we mentioned him as sort of future first graders. But if opportunity comes for guys like Elska Hem, then you know they're they're certainly not doing themselves any disservice right now with you know constantly hitting that 150 benchmark with some quality contributions in terms of try assists and line breaks. So these are the guys that are you know doing their job week in week out. And you know you go to the back line, Zach Sandy, Hayes, Perham. I thought that both the wingers were even if the numbers weren't incredible. Loizu and Russell did pretty tidy jobs for the most part outside of Russell's one missed tackle for that second Kapoa try. Uh, yeah, they, these guys are all doing their job, and that's what it takes in order to be ready for that call-up when it comes. Yeah, and the thing is, when I'm talking about being ready for that call-up and, and and that BA would have the faith, the the only way that you are going to get a change, if and this, this applies to anyone that out there, any supporter that's out there thinking, oh, we need this person to come in, uh, you know, we need to drop this person or that person, you only get change if you've got someone who can come in and do a better job. So, the, as I said, these players have to maintain their form. That, so they're basically giving BA an option. If there's players that, are, that that fall out of form, he has to feel that he's got players that he can trust will come in and do a better job than the person that's in there at the moment. So it's all very well that we might say we're going to drop this person or change this person, whatever the case may be. You have to have a replacement that's ready. And you don't just go, no, we just got to get rid of this bloke. He's, he's just no good. You've got to have someone ready to fill in, ready to go. And it's like, I mean, last year, the classic example was we lost three dummy halves. It, it, when we were using Ray Stone, I mean, Stoney wasn't ready to go as a dummy half. No, so, sometimes injury is so extreme that you're forced into a position like this year of the wingers, but like last year of the dummy halves, where there is no one else left in the cupboard. And yeah, you know, and you can, but you can imagine as well, like if we if we were looking at um, bringing in someone who was, let's say there was someone playing in the flag that, uh, and I know we weren't playing the, the, the flag last year because of, um, uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if we were in a scenario where that we were even looking at a flag player again, you, you're talking about BA has to have faith that whoever's going to come in is going to be able to do the job. And that basically came down to, uh, I mean, we had to use, we had to use uh, Ray Stone, but we're not going to get. That was a, an example of a force change, but we're not going to get uh, a change where the coach is making an optional change unless someone's form is right up there, and that's and, what we and, need. And thankfully, the cup team, except for that little skid they had uh, a couple of weeks ago, have been quite consistent. That's why they're pushing into the top four again. But yeah, there, there are guys that are doing their jobs right now, and. You know, obviously, you'd love to have someone absolutely explosively tearing it up game after game, but then 
that's a, a luxury that very few teams have. Even you know some of the better teams in the Penrith Panthers and whatnot. They're just by nature of the of the reserve grade, you have lots of solid guys that are biding their time for opportunity. Yep. Yep. Well, mate, I don't know that there's too much more we can we can add to this. I, we, you know, when all was said and done, I still think we could have just used your line right at the start. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame it took me forty minutes to conjure up something that was uh, so fitting of the game. But it is worth reminding everyone that the win uh, after last week's unfortunate loss to Rabbitohs does bring us back to within a single game of the top four. We're now just one win behind both the Storm and the Sharks. Two wins behind the Cowboys and uh, those Penrith Panthers. Five wins ahead of us. But, you know, important. It keeps us in touch. And with games in hand against the likes of the Storm and the Panthers, there is a chance to make a bit of a shake-up in that top four, top five. But for now, for the next two weeks, like I said, the emphasis just has to be on getting those wins. And uh, thankfully, they made the first step forwards in that regard. It might have only been a little baby step, but they got it done. Uh, and thankfully did not get swept by the West Tigers in season 2022. So for now, it's on to round 18 where we host the New Zealand Warriors back at Combank Stadium. 60s, nice to be home. And I think it's part of a triple header homestand. We go, it is, I believe, isn't it? It's Warriors, Broncos, and then Panthers all at Combank. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so some important football to be played there. But for now, thanks for stopping by and giving both of us a listen. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't uh, grand. It wasn't anywhere near, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, convincing. But they got the job done today. And for now, that is enough. We'll catch you guys uh, early next week with what we hope should be a a bit of a surprise podcast with uh, what you teased in our preview podcast, 60s. But got that podcast coming up. Then we have the midweek section with uh, Spiro. Plenty to talk about there as we go into Origin on Wednesday, and then we'll have the obviously the preview for Round 18 coming up at the end of the week. Until then, thanks for stopping by, and stay safe, guys. Go you wheels.